something as I was praying and waiting on, and I was praying going up to that, but I thought, no, no holiday message for you today. Well, I guess it is a holiday message, but it's not traditional. How's that? Time is too short to just go through motions. Eternity's too long to just go through motions. God is too real to just check time on a calendar. Amen? I'm thankful for His Spirit that's here today. I will tell you the thought that's been stirring with me that I, you can go study it out in Scripture and maybe you'll hear it some other time. I don't know when it's not a holiday. We know the Scripture... We know the Christmas, what we often call the Christmas story. Uh, of course, if you study scripture and time and history, you know that Christ was probably born somewhere around April, not in December. But I mean, I don't mind. It gives us an opportunity to talk about him. So it's a good thing. Um, but it was it was one of. Up to that time, it was the greatest gift that man had ever been given. You understand that? When God robed himself in flesh and came and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Isaiah said his name would be called Wonderful. You know that word wonderful there in the Hebrew? The only time it's used, and it's used several times, but the only time it's used is to describe God. Because nothing else can compare to His wonder. What's interesting is if you transliterate it and you cross that word from the Hebrew to the Greek, it's the same, and I'm not a scholar, but this is something I've been studying here. It's the same word... That when the disciples prayed in the book of Acts. And they prayed that signs and wonders would be done. By the name of thy holy child Jesus. That word wonders there. Transliterates to the Greek from the same Hebrew word. Wonderful. Isaiah said his name would be called wonderful. The counselor. Aren't you glad he's the counselor? He is a wonderful counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's a gift. That's a gift. And we know from Scripture and firmly believe according to the Scripture and have by His great grace the revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that today? You know what the revelation is that we need? We need a revelation of a greater gift. It's the gift of, we have the revelation of God in Christ. We need the revelation of Christ in us. Which is the hope of glory. The writer said. When we get the revelation of Christ in us, when we're baptized with the gift of the, the gift of of the Holy Ghost. You want to do a little study. Start studying the gift of God in scripture. You and I have received. When we've been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of God. It's not called the gift from God. It's the gift of God. That's why Jesus said it's expedient for you that I go away. But if I go away I will come again. John chapter 14. He said I'm with you but I shall be in you. It's not the gift from God, it's the gift of God. And when we get the revelation that the day we receive the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost, the mighty God came and dwelt in us. That changes everything. That changes everything. Because now the enemy has no authority over me. Now life and all of it that it brings at me is subject to the spirit and the authority that dwells in me. It's why the Apostle John penned the words, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There, that's the infomercial. 
Not really, but there's a lot of scripture about that, but we're not going to preach about that today. But if you want to pray, God, give me the revelation of you in me. Help me to understand what it is to be filled with your spirit and to flow and to have your, let your spirit have free course in my life and let your spirit rule and reign my day and my life to where I walk in the fullness of the power and the glory of God the way you intend. We need a revelation of that gift. Amen? Praise God. Some of you believe it. I'm going to pray for you until you receive it. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Two Wednesday nights ago, we spent some time in the Word in 2 Corinthians. We started at the first verse, and I think we went all the way through to the seventh. And the Lord was dealing with me about some things, and I thought, the Lord just spoke a couple of words to my spirit, and I thought, where is that at? And I went digging in Scripture, and I was somewhat surprised to find out it was in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm like, man, we stopped reading too soon. And I feel like there were two parts to this when we talked in the first few verses there. We talked about the blindness of the minds by the God of this world, but how we have the power and the authority to pray that the blindness of the mind would be removed so that the light of gospel can shine and people can see. I want us to start reading in verse number 5 today. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. And if you'll mark that there with your hand, if you're holding your Bible. And now I'd like us to pray again. Could we do that? Jesus, in your name. Come on, would you talk to the Lord with me? We've got but a few minutes here together today. We need the Lord to have his way. Jesus, I pray this morning. I pray the ministry of your word and spirit as only you can. We open our hearts, our mind, and our spirit unto you. I pray speak into our lives today. You who searches the heart that knows what is the mind of the spirit. I pray this day by your word bring revelation, bring healing. Bring revelation, bring healing, bring hope. I pray a renewal of faith and strength today by the Word of God and the Spirit of God to all who would willingly receive of you, Father. It's nothing we can produce. It's a work of your Spirit. I pray today revelation and understanding given of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 5. Paul said, We preach not ourselves. But Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. He was simply saying, hey, because of the great things God's done for us, we're not promoting ourselves. We still understand that what we're doing is we're preaching Christ. We're promoting Him. We're His servants. The change that people see in our lives, the things that we now walk in and have happening with us, we're not using that as an opportunity to promote ourselves. We're using that as an opportunity to do what it was intended to do, which is to glorify God that men would be drawn to Him. And he was writing this to the church at Corinth. If you read the book of Corinthians, you'll understand it's because some were taking the Word of God and they realized it could be used in a profitable way. And so they were twisting and adulterating the Word of God and using it for personal benefit. They were using the things that God had done in their life to simply promote themselves, that had made a platform for themselves. So Paul was drawing a line with this writing. He's saying, hey, we're not preaching ourselves, but Christ Jesus, and we are still servants for His sake. It's all about Him. Verse number 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Watch what He's done. He has shined in our hearts. And he did this with purpose. He shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now that's a lot of words right there, isn't it? But watch what he said. He shined in our hearts for this purpose. To give light to the knowledge. Right? Right? Light of the knowledge. 
So he shined in our hearts so we could have some knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding of what? The glory of God. That's where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we read through verses real quick and we don't slow down enough to see what the word is actually telling us. Are you with me? So the light shines in our heart. Because in our own humanity, we can't just read scripture and understand. We need revelation that comes by the light of the spirit of God. This is why Jesus was sitting with his disciples one day and he said, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say you're Elias or Isaiah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so Jesus stops and says, okay, I've got another question. Who do you say I am? It's great that you're hearing what everybody else is saying. But this is personal, Jesus said. Who do you say that I am? And Peter declares these words that many of us know. Peter declares, thou art the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus responds, Peter, you're blessed. And he says, flesh and blood or a man did not reveal this to you. This wasn't some revelation reveal. Revelation. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Some man didn't teach you this and therefore you have understanding. Now a man or a woman may have shared the word of God, but revelation came by my Father which is in heaven. This is revelation that's being talked about here. When the light of God shines into our heart, See, our heart is filled with darkness. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes and the God of this world's blindness is removed from our minds and then the light of the Word of God can shine into our hearts, then revelation can come and we have light of the knowledge of the glory of God that we can see in the face of Jesus Christ. We can't just get that by personal study. We need the Spirit of God to bring revelation and understanding. All right? So this comes when the light of God shines into our heart. Verse number 7. Watch what he says here. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I guess this could be talking about a gift, maybe. A treasure. How many of you have something you treasure? Anybody? Some of us, I have four things I really treasure. I mean, I have more than that, but you understand. How many of you have something you treasure? Raise your hand if you have something you treasure. All of us. Yeah. I would imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine... That whatever you thought of that you treasure, if you actually thought of something and you raised your hand, I would imagine that whatever that is you treasure, you can't put a price on. Is that a fair statement? Is that a fair statement? Not for sale. Not negotiable. Is that fair? Okay, I agree with you. The things I treasure, no price tag. Not for sale. To even think that it could be for sale is blasphemy to me. It's a treasure. I hold to it. It's highly valuable. This is that kind of treasure. Except this treasure that's being spoken of here is the gift of God that's given us when we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. When we're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's a treasure that is beyond great price. It doesn't, you can't put a price on it. And so the Apostle Paul is writing and he says to us, We have this treasure. If you've been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Now, here's the irony of this scripture. The treasure that is beyond price, beyond measure and value. This gift of God that lives within us. That God himself would take his spirit. And when we yield to him, repent of our sins, are baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. That he would give us his very spirit to dwell in us. 
I can't even fathom that in my human reasoning mind that the Almighty God that spoke the worlds into existence, that framed man from the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that this living God, the Almighty God that fills all space and time and goes beyond space and time, the scripture says from everlasting to everlasting, that this one true living God would take of his spirit and would put it in you and I. Can you explain that? Can you understand? How valuable is that treasure? And that he would put the treasure. You would think. If you had a treasure. I mean like the greatest treasures of my life are sitting all right here on this one row. I have other treasures. But but you know what? When I drive and they're in the car. I try to be semi-careful. Just semi, because the rest my wife takes care of for me. I got treasure. When I go to bed at night, I check the doors. Are they locked? I I, I worry about, what am I doing? I'm trying to take care of my treasure. When they're out and it's late and I haven't heard from them, I don't know what's going on, I don't. I'm concerned. Why? They're my treasure. I, I mean, I, they're valuable to me, so I don't want to treat them lightly. I don't just discard it. But God this would take His Spirit and He would entrust this treasure into this earthen vessel. And I just got to be honest. I'm as human as you are, and I i got to think, surely he could find a better place to put that. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. But he would take this gift of his spirit. And he would say, you know where I want it to be? I want it to be in you. I want to put my spirit in you. Why? Why would someone with great treasure invest it in a clay pot? That's what that word is. Earthen vessels. Clay pot. Fragile. Delicate. That's you. Some of you men get nervous. I'm not fragile and delicate. We're fragile. We're delicate. He took his spirit and put it in us. Why? So that the excellency of the power of God. It'll be of God, not of us. No one's going to look and go, wow, that's an amazing clay pot. I wish my clay pot was as good as that clay pot. See, the sooner we realize we're all clay pots and the power is his and this treasure is available to us all, we stop looking at the clay pots and we start yielding to the power of the treasure that's in us. So why would he put this treasure in us? I'm going to have you do me a favor. I usually would not do this, but I'm going to do this right now. I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. If you're reading on your Bible or your phone, I'm asking you to mark it there and close it and sit it beside you. I see a bunch of you up here with it, and I'm not picking on you. I I, I don't know why I'm doing that. I'm just asking you to do that. Is this okay? I don't think you're distracted or anything like that. Usually I want you to have it open. I want you doing that. I just... So we have this treasure in our vessels. Hear me, child of God. If you've been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have a treasure dwelling in you. Now watch. It doesn't stop there. Verse 8. We are troubled on every side. You ever feel that way? Three of you? Are honest. Watch what he says. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. 
Oh, now, now the first part may describe me, but I don't know about the second part. Right? I mean, I've been troubled on every side, but I can't say I wasn't distressed. (laughs) What's he talking about? We are perplexed, but not in despair. Well, I've been perplexed, but I don't know if I can say I'm not in despair. Hold on a minute. Who's this describing? Not distressed, not in despair. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? Let's look at verse 9. Isn't it wonderful? We have it up here. I know I asked you to close your Bible, but I knew we'd keep it up here for you. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Who's he talking about? Who's the writer talking about? Not a trick question. Us. Earthen vessels. Earthen vessels. You and I are clay pots. We're not supposed to be rigid steel containers, which we try to project that we are sometimes. We are clay pots. He designed us this way. Why did he design us this way? So we could never do it on our own without him. So that we are made dependent on him. And you know, people quote say this all the time. He'll never put more on you than you can bear. You ever heard that? That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not in the scripture. Well, I know I'm going to make it because he'll never put more on me than I can bear. That's a lie. He will. Some of you are having trouble right now. You're like, I thought that was in the Bible. And you're you're wanting to go dig in your concordance and check that out. It's not in there. Trust me, I looked. Let's be honest. How many of you thought that was in the Bible? My hand's up. How many of you ever thought that was in the Bible? The Lord will not put on you more than you can bear. Okay, so you just got revelation this morning. It is not in the Word of God. I used to think that too years ago until I started studying. It's not in there. Do you know why He'll put more on you than you can bear? Why? Right. He puts more on you than you can bear. And so you realize, oh, the only way that I can bear this is with him. I can't bear it, but he can. Matter of fact, he already did. So apparently I'm trying to carry something I wasn't meant to keep carrying. He went to the cross for it. I'm an earthen vessel, and you're an earthen vessel. And he made you and I this way so that when it got to where we couldn't handle it, which usually doesn't take much, we'll do one of two things. In pride, I'll say, I got this. I got this. That's pride. Or in humility, I'll say, God, I can't do this. But with you, I know I can. God, help me. Come to my strength. Now watch, go back to verse 8, please, Brother Jeremiah. We are troubled where? I mean, this isn't, this is not just trouble in one spot. On every side. I know these are like tough questions. Have Have you ever felt that way? Like... Man, on my job, I'm getting bombarded. At home, I'm having tr- challenges right now. My kids are giving me grief. Not really, I'm just saying. My kids are giving me grief. You know, I, I, I know about this with this family at church and this with that individual there, and I'm trying. Man, I'm just getting trouble on everywhere I go. I just want to shut away in a closet. You ever feel that way? But watch what he says. Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. How is this possible? How is it possible that he is troubled, the writer, on every side? Trouble. Trouble. But no distress. How is it that he is perplexed? But no despair. 
Maybe his treasure is different than my treasure. Maybe his treasure is different than your treasure. Oh, no. Same treasure. Here's what the writer's saying. We are troubled. Who's troubled on every side? We are. What are we? Clay pots. You guys got it now, right? We're clay pots. Clay pots get troubled on every side. Don't we? Do clay pots get distressed? Yes, they do. So who's not distressed? The treasure that's in the earthen vessel. There's a treasure in the earthen vessel. And so if I'm just relying on myself as a clay pot, I'm going to be distressed. But when there's trouble on every side, I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And when his spirit dwells in me, guess where's trouble on every side? It doesn't say trouble on the inside. It says trouble on every side. But greater is he that's in me. And so I'm not distressed. Why? Because I may not be in control, but he is. I may not know what the end is, but he does. I may not have any answers, but he does. I may not know what the next step is, but he does. And so when the enemy or life or circumstances or anything comes against this clay pot, and it will come. What do I do? I have this understanding and this recognition that the indwelling Spirit of God is a treasure that is in me. And the treasure that's in me is never distressed. The treasure that's in me is never in despair. It's a matter of whether I'm putting my emphasis on the pot or the treasure. So I have a question. Why would... Our God, our Father, who loves us, allow us to be troubled on every side. Why would He allow us to be perplexed? Could it be that He's going to find out whether our confidence is in the treasure or in this clay pot? Now let's read a little further. Verse 9, we already read, so let's go on through that. Verse 9. Oh, watch, because this is still continuing. Troubled on every side, not in despair, perplexed, or not distressed, perplexed, not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Well, that doesn't sound fun, does it? Well, not if you stop there. These things come in life. Trouble on every side. Perplexities come. These things come against the clay pot. Because they cause the clay pot to remain broken. They cause the clay pot to identify with the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus. This is the goal. That the life of Jesus would be made manifest where? In our body. The life of Jesus would be made manifest. But you know what the enemy of your soul, our adversary, wants to do? He wants to bring trouble and distress and perplexity and all these things to come against us. And he wants us to give in to our clay pot flesh so that we never manifest the glory of God. And God's allowing these things so that we'll stop trying to do it ourselves and say, I can't do anything, but I know you're still God. I know you're in control. I know you have a plan. I know you're greater than anything that's coming against me. I know in whom I trust. So he allows these things because what happens is it brings us to a place where I have no confidence in myself. But I have great confidence in he who lives in me. The treasure. The treasure. And if the enemy can't get me to watch my clay pot, you know what he'll do? He'll get me to look at other clay pots. He 
anything to keep me from focusing on the treasure. Anything to keep me from focusing on the treasure. I remember, this just came back to me. When I worked at Walmart years ago, man, I'd have some rough days. Rough days, long hours. I liked the job, but whew, some days were rough. Just like your job, you'd have rough days. And at the time, we just had one child. Um, wasn't that big then, but we just had one child. And I remember, I, it, I could, man, my mind would just be mentally just drained. Physically, I was just worn out. And I remember I would come home, and my oldest was a year old. And I remember I would come home, Brother Reuben, and I would just pick him up. I wouldn't say anything. I would just hold him really close and walk through the house, walk around the living room, sort of like I'm walking around right now. And I the Spirit of the Lord would just begin to talk to me or minister to me. I may weep there, but as I was weeping, I would feel the release of all those pressures of the day. I don't know, there was something about holding a treasure in my arms that brought everything back into perspective. Something about holding a treasure... It reminded me of what really mattered and why I did what I did. I think the Lord was trying to teach me some things. Not just about the value of our families, but about the treasure. And when our focus is on the treasure, all the other things. Now, does that mean they all stop? Not a chance got to stay focused on the church now watch verse 11 we got to hurry up here for we which live are you living today we which live are what oh man is this in the book I don't like it sometimes either but it's what it says we which live are how often sometimes Always. Have you ever prayed, God, why does this always happen to me? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> always. This is in the book. The Lord's wanting to give you some understanding today. I believe this in the Holy Ghost. We which live, if we're living for Him, you need to understand this. We are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. What does that mean, always delivered unto death? I'll tell you what I believe it means. We can search this out in Scripture at another time. It means the Lord Jesus Christ, once He fills us with the gift of the Holy Ghost, He puts this treasure in us. He's going to protect the treasure. You understand? If you and I, as someone who has loved ones, does things to protect them, how much more is He going to protect this treasure of His Spirit that dwells in us? And so the way he protects this treasure is he always delivers us to death. That's his way of protecting the treasure. What does that do? Death always reminds me, as Brother Lewis said at the beginning, of my humanity. I'm human. I can't do it on my own. I'm going to fall short. And you know what we spend our lives doing if we're not careful as Christians? trying to look like we never fall and we get it perfect and we're just good, perfect human beings. If you're waiting on that, you're probably at the wrong church. Far from it. What happens? My humanity shows up and I'm reminded, as Brother Lewis so aptly said, I'm reminded of how human I am and how incapable I am in my own ability. But I'm reminded also I have a treasure. I have a treasure. I have a treasure. And so what does he do? If I ever start leaning towards the clay pot side of me, 
and I'm no longer, it's no longer a case where my life is about him and I'm starting to lean and trust in the clay pot in whatever way that is, then what does he do? There's all, I'm always delivered unto death. Because it keeps the clay pot broken. So that the glory of God is manifested and shines through. So he always keeps me in a place. So you say, man, that sounds painful. Guess what? It is as long as I resist dying. If I continue to resist dying, it's painful because I keep going through the process. But what happens if you and I start our day on the altar? And as the Apostle Paul admonished us in Romans chapter 12, we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. You know what I'm doing then? I'm saying, Lord, you don't even have to deliver me to death. I'm coming here. I'm asking you to do what you have to do. I'm presenting myself. You understand, that's the example that Christ gave us. Pilate spoke to Lord Jesus Christ before his crucifixion. He said, do you not know I have the power to take your life? Jesus responded to him. You don't have any power except I give it to you. Jesus said, this is my life. He said, I can lay it down and I can take it up again. He was exampling for you and I what we could do. We can lay our life down so that he can live. Or he will always deliver us to death. Not because he's trying to punish us. He loves us. He's got a treasure in us. and He's got a purpose for that treasure and us. Watch. Why would he deliver us to death? That the life of Jesus would be made manifest. Where will the life of Jesus be made manifest? Whoa, where? The life of Jesus will be made manifest in our mortal flesh. He wants to manifest his life through a clay pot. That's exactly what he wants to do. But the only way he can do that is if we are dead so the pot doesn't try to take credit for what he's doing. You have a treasure and he takes you through things. He allows these troubles on every side. He allows this always dying to take place all because he's wanting to manifest himself through your life. Jesus is wanting to show himself to the world through you and I, but he has a way in which he does it so that we'll never take the credit. Verse 12. So death worketh in us, but life in you. Verse 13. We, that's us, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. 14. Knowing that he which raised up Jesus, the Lord Jesus, shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Keep going there, Brother Jeremiah. For all things are for your sakes. Watch. All things, the troubles, the perplexities, the delivering over to dying. All things are for your sakes. Why? It disappeared. That the, that's a network issue. That's not a Brother Jeremiah issue. In case y'all were getting ready to throw stuff at him. Thank you. That the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. Verse 16. For which cause, now watch. We're going to finish here. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, that's the clay vessel. The inward man. The inward man. Everybody say the inward man. The inward man is renewed when? Day by day. 
This is the plan and the design of God for mine and your life. Do you know when distress starts building up? When I got trouble on every side, it indicates to me I'm not renewing the inner man day by day. I'm trying to put it all together in the vessel, the clay pot. Verse 17, last two verses. Now, if you're troubled on every side and perplexed and all these things that we read in verse number 8 and 9, and you're feeling the pressure and the weight and the pain and the trouble of all that, and then you read a little further in his letter, and all that that you're feeling, seeing, experiencing in life and circumstances... And then you read further, and he calls it our light affliction. Probably want to smack the Apostle Paul if he was in front of you right then. You guys act all holy. Oh, I would not strain. No, we're human. And sometimes, when I mean, think about that. You ever been going through something and somebody acts like it's not a big deal? And you're like... And you want them to know it's a big deal, right? The Apostle Paul's described some things, and I'm sure as, he's, as the Corinthians are reading this letter, that they're relating to this, and they're seeing this, and they're thinking, oh, I need this, right? And then he says, our light of Who's calling light? See, he had a perspective given him of God because he was focused on the treasure. He wasn't focused on the vessel. He understood anything that I'm dealing with in this life is a light affliction. Anything that I'm enduring in this life is a light affliction. His eyes were somewhere beyond this life. He saw something beyond the natural. He saw something beyond where he was living. He saw something beyond what he was going through. He had faith and hope and vision beyond the trouble that faced him. That's why he could say this is just light affliction. Watch what he says. Our light affliction, which is just for a moment... You could say, how's it for a moment? It's been a few years. you got to start looking at things in light of eternity. you got to start seeing different. By the grace of God, He's got to open our minds. So I go, yeah, I'm going through some stuff, but greater is He that's in me. Yeah, I'm facing some stuff, and I wish it would change. But God's got a purpose. And so whatever your purpose is, I have more confidence in the treasure than I do the clay pot. I don't understand it. I wish it would change. But you know what you're doing, Lord. You have something better in store for me. I've not lost faith. I've not lost hope. I have a confidence not in myself, but in the treasure. And so for our light affliction, it's but for a moment. Why? Here's why. See this in the Word of God. It works. Who does it work for? Us. Your affliction is working for you. Somebody please hear the word of the Lord this morning. Your affliction is working for you. What you're going through is working for you. What is it working toward? A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I'm thankful for that. Now watch verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. That means temporary. The things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen, what are they? Eternal. Would you stand with me this morning? You have or 
can have a treasure in an earthen vessel. The indwelling spirit of God. Does that mean life becomes perfect the day you're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Oh, no, that means the ride's really getting ready to start. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. You know, babies are born. And when they're born, they don't know how to go to the restroom themselves. I mean, they do. They just don't know how to go to the physical restroom. They don't have teeth. They don't know how to walk, crawl, speak. Right? They're born. And they grow. And they cry. And when their teeth start coming in, they have different things that go on that are not pleasant. And, and that's painful. And as they get a little bigger, they have growing pains. Right? I remember one of my kids, really, their legs, they, oh, their legs. I remember when they went through that season, they would complain about their legs. It, it pained me because I couldn't do anything about it. I just wanted to help them. But that was growth. Pain that came with growth. It was a necessary part of growth. We understand that, right? I remember when my kids started walking. I, I like let them fall. Dads can relate. Moms are like, you're evil too. Like, you got to let them fall. Mom, catch them. That's what moms do. That, I thank God for moms. I, dads let them fall. I, I, I knew that. You know, they're going to have to fall a few times to learn. There were some things they would want to do. I'd be like, let them do it. Babe, they're going to hurt themselves. Not twice. I wasn't unkind, you understand. I didn't get joy out of watching my children have pain. I just understood some things. They grew through pain. They learned how to walk in life through pain. We understand that in the natural. How much more in the spiritual? Except in the natural, we hope that it has a certain result. In the spiritual, when God allows these things in our lives or brings things into our life, if we allow Him to have His purpose in it, it always works for our good. That's the true context of the scripture in Romans that says, and we know that all things work together for the good. To them, it's conditional, to them who love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose, not our purpose. I have a question for you as we finish this morning. And it's rooted in that last verse right there. What are you seeing and how are you seeing? Are you seeing in the temporal? Are you seeing in the eternal? Are you looking with eyes at everything in the natural? We used to sing a song when I was younger. It said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In the light of His glory and grace. It was a perspective song about where I was looking. Where my eyes were fixed. Where my eyes were fixed. It's a light affliction. I hope someone's listening today. I know you are. Hear me. According to the word of God, it's a light affliction and it's but for a moment and it's going to work in you a far more exceeding weight of glory. It's going hear the end of the story. It's going to work in you a far more exceeding weight of glory. Would you talk with him right now? Come on, let the spirit of the Lord begin to open your eyes. 
Let the Spirit of the Lord begin to give you understanding and speak into your situation. Come on, you got a treasure in earthen vessel. You have the treasure of the indwelling Spirit of God in you. And so there can be trouble on every side, but no distress because the Spirit of God, I promise you, is not distressed. You can be perplexed, but I, I promise you, the Spirit of God has peace. The Spirit of God has confidence. The treasure... Come on, get your eyes back on the treasure. Understand, he that lives in you is greater than anything in the world that would come against you, that would press against you. Turn your eyes afresh on him. Turn your heart and attention afresh on him. He's still your father. He's still in control. He still has all power and all authority. He's working things out for your good if you'll trust him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I'd like to open this altar to you if you'd like to find a place to pray and talk with him. Come on, ask the Holy Ghost to anoint your eyes and my eyes today. Ask him to anoint our eyes today to see in the eternal. To not see in the temporal, but to see in the eternal. The scripture said through Jesus to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He was talking about spiritual sight that would see outside the natural, that would see in the spiritual. God, anoint our eyes today. Anoint our eyes today, I pray. Let us see in the spiritual. Let us see in the supernatural the way you want us to. Let us not see temporary things, but let us see beyond our circumstance. Let us see beyond our circumstance. And let us speak in faith to those things that are not as though they were. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You have a treasure. Come on, you have a treasure. The very Spirit of God that's dwelling in you. I hear the Apostle Paul telling Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Stir up the gift that's in you. Stir up the gift that's in you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If it's appropriate, you're so led, find someone to pray with. Let the Spirit of the Lord use you to encourage someone. Let the Spirit of the Lord use you to minister to someone. Let that treasure that's in you flow out in ministry today.
joy of the Lord. thank the Lord for what he's done today and what he's continuing to do. Thank you, Jesus, God, for changing my perspective, Lord, for taking my eyes, Jesus, from the things in the natural to the things in the spirit. Jesus, I pray that this would change my priorities in life if necessary. Oh, God, that I would apply the word today, that I not only be a hearer of the word, but I'd be a doer also. By your grace, Father, I pray that we would be enabled to do the things that we have heard today. 
we allow the Spirit of God to work in us every day. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give uh, an opportunity this morning, if you'd like, to worship in your tithe and offering. Uh, we can have our ushers come, and just as you... Uh,